I'd like to uh, just continue our series that Luciano Lombardi began on such a powerful note last Sunday. And if you were not here and you were not able to hear that series or hear that message, I want to encourage you to go back, take some time, listen to it. There's freedom in what was said because there's freedom in the word of Jesus Christ. And today I want to continue on the topic of what it means to be free. And today I want to talk to you about new freedom, new freedom or true freedom. And as we get into the message this morning, I want to ask you a question. What is a pet peeve of yours? I knew someone was going to say that. A pet peeve. For some it is snow. We went to social media and some on social media told us the following. One of the pet peeves that they struggle with is people who talk during movies. Can any of you relate? I can. You know, you're trying to watch the movie, you're trying to get into it and there's somebody saying to you, what did they say, what's going on? And I'm just saying, if you'll just listen, you'll hear everything. You know, another pet peeve that we may share is people who read out loud. But let me explain this. You see, people who read out loud, you see, they can see, they know because they have peripheral vision, they know that you have a book that you're reading to yourself and you're reading it in the peace of God, in silence. But when they're beside you, they have to read out loud because they want you to be multifaceted. That's a pet peeve. And then this pet peeve that I'm going to share with you was actually the one that came up the most in our social media questions or answers. Loud chewers. People who chew their food loudly. I know the young people today are into ASMR. Some of you may not have heard of that. Look it up sometime. It's actually fun. But anyway, loud chewers, it drives people crazy. You know, when I was driving here today, I thought of another pet peeve that, that I have, and the pet peeve that I have is perfectionism. And my pet peeve is that I am not perfect. Can any of you relate? You wish you would wake up and say, now I am perfect. But God has not given us that spiritual gift. Pet peeves. The commonality with all of these things is that they involve people. Pet peeves involve people, and if we allow them to, they can actually separate us. They can actually cause division in our fellowship. And today I want to ask you to turn to Galatians chapter 2. If you've got the Portico app, I want to ask you to open it up. If you've got your Bible, you can open that up as well. And we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, and there's going to be three points that we're going to talk about in regards to new freedom and what that means. As we do this, I want you to consider this thought, that as we unpack these things and what it means to be free... We want to know that freedom, when we truly walk into it, it encourages authentic community. True freedom encourages authentic community. So when we deal with our pet peeves, folks, then we can walk into authentic community with one another. The first point of the message today 
I want to talk about how new freedom requires new understanding. And I'm going to define new freedom very clearly so that you don't think I'm preaching a new gospel. Because there's only one gospel, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's the way it always will be. But when you get into the story of Galatians, you understand that the Apostle Paul was speaking to a group of people that were being infiltrated and their freedom was being threatened by those who were coming with a counterfeit good news, so to speak. So the premise of this first point here is that we need to understand that when we come to Christ, we are beginning to walk in the road of new discovery. And that's very important when you think about what it means to walk in new freedom. So again, the Apostle Paul, uh, in, his, in his letter to the Galatians, he is speaking to Christians. He is speaking to people who know what it means to love Jesus. But they are at threat of having that love compromised because of what other people are coming in and saying to them. Now, when we consider the Apostle Paul, when we, we consider the author of this letter, consider this, that he himself, when he came into the kingdom of God, he himself had to go on a road of discovery. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 16 to 18, this will not come on the screen, but in Galatians chapter 1, verses 16 to 18, the Bible tells us that Paul himself said, look, when I came, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but when I came to the truth, when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, I had to take time away. I had to take time to be prepared for the ministry that God wanted for me. This is Paul. Paul was one of the most learned people at the time. This is the same Paul who wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. And yet Paul says, I am on the road of discovery. When I came to Christ, I began to understand what I was called to. Paul said in, in those verses, he said, I didn't rush to consult any other human being. And, and, and it, as I was thinking about this, as, as Paul was trying to embark on this new journey, I understood that it was important for him to do that because if he went into what God had for him too soon, he would have been unhealthy and unbalanced. And ladies and gentlemen, I think when we go into what God wants uh, too soon or when we fail to understand that we have more to learn, we are unhealthy and unbalanced. But when we say, Lord, teach me, Lord, I am a Christian. I've been serving you for X amount of years, but there's more for me to understand. When we do that, we become healthy. And you know what happens when the individual parts become healthy? The entire body becomes healthier. You know, I remember when I was uh, quite a while ago, when I was, um, I was around 16, 17 years old, and and my, my mother and my sister who had influenced me to come to Christ, they were getting water baptized. And I know we had a wonderful water baptism service a couple of weeks ago. They were getting water baptized, my, my, my mother and my sister. And, and they asked me, they said, Dwayne, do you want to get water baptized? And I said, no, not yet. Because I had to discover for myself and I had to make an individual decision to say, I'm going to enter in. And folks, to enter into the new freedom, there needs to be a willingness to have a new understanding. 
There needs to be a personal decision that you and I make to enter in. And this is what Paul's talking about. So let's go into Galatians chapter 2, verses 2 to 5. And remember Paul's audience, remember what's happening to them. So Paul says this, I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Now, circumcision was a part of the old covenant. Verse 4. Even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, false ones really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. This is Paul's word to the Galatians, to his audience. And it reminded me of something. Actually, it didn't remind me, but in my research, it reminded someone else of what happened in the garden. Think about it for a moment. In the garden, see, well, let me just back up before I go to the garden very quickly. So Paul is saying, look, we already have freedom in Christ, and now we have a group of people that are actually adding to that freedom, and it's actually turning into enslavement. And then somebody recently said that if you think about this, if you look at it, think about the garden. Think about what happened with Eve. Eve, when, when the snake was speaking to her, she added words to what God said, and it led to sin. This person, who is actually quite brilliant and quite the scholar, said this, and I quote, We do this in our relationships with God. We can't trust what he says is enough, and we add on other restrictions that we think are necessary, and it leads us into sin. We add our own wisdom to what God has said, and it leads us sideways. But the freedom that Paul is talking about, it required a deep understanding for the audience. And the freedom that God wants to bring some of us into, and perhaps you who are watching online, is a deeper understanding that what we have is beyond rules and regulations. And for some of you, that's going to chafe a little bit, because you're very much like this, and that's good. But hopefully as I go on, I'll explain to you the danger of relying on rules and regulations as being your salvation. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 2. When we, when we consider what Paul is saying in Galatians, how he's speaking and saying, you know, people are adding and they're enslaving you, hear what he says to the, to the, in the letter of Romans. He says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. You see, Paul was speaking to those who were reading the Galatian letter and saying, look, there is a law that actually ties you up and binds you up, and there are people coming amongst you who are trying to tie you up. But the law of life in Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, it sets you free. It sets you free. You see, as I said, Having, coming into new freedom doesn't mean we come into a new gospel. It doesn't mean there's a new revelation about who Jesus is. 
is one time that Jesus died and was resurrected. And we know that the law was established and the law was good. The law that was established by Moses, it was necessary. We need the law. Today we need the law of the land. So we're not saying let's be lawless and let's just go do what we want. We're not saying that whatsoever. What we are saying, however, is that there is a new law that you and I are called into. It's the law of the Spirit. And the law of the Spirit is for those who are led by the Spirit. And those who are led by the Spirit will be the same people who Pastor Rick prayed for, where we open our hands and we say, Lord, you have blessed me. Now use me to bless someone else. That's the law of the Spirit. Let's go to point number two. New freedom means new challenges. So the people that Paul was speaking to in Galatians, they were, having, they, they were coming into this new freedom, but this new doctrine that was coming, that was trying to bind them up, was beginning to be a new challenge. So in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, it says this. When Peter came to Antioch, these are Paul's words, I had to oppose him to the face. So Peter and Paul are beginning to throw down. And for what he did, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Why? Because he was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Can you see what's happening here? Paul is saying, I'm coming, and even Peter and even Barnabas, now they're compromising the freedom in Christ. Have you ever been there? Has someone else ever pressured you to compromise your freedom in Jesus? Has someone else ever pressured you and said, you know what? You should dress differently if you're in Christ. You should worship differently if you're in Christ. You should pray differently if you're in Christ. You should give differently if you're in Christ. Has someone ever used that as a pressure? Has somebody ever used that to turn up the heat on you and thinking that that would produce righteousness? It never does. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance not the wrath of man. So we understand that as Paul is speaking, he's saying that these people have become challenges to your freedom. And maybe we've had people who have been challenges to our freedom in Christ, or maybe sometimes, if we're honest, we've been challenges to the freedom of others because we have been stringent and strict. And I realize that this message can make one you could, you could be walking on a tightrope wondering, well, does that mean again, should we just be, is this a free-for-all? No, we're not called to live lives of being a free-for-alls. What we are called to do, however, is to let Jesus do the work in each person as he chooses and for us to be vessels of that. We don't want to be stumbling blocks to one another, but we want to be people who allow true freedom to set people free. And freedom can only be found in Jesus. And freedom can only be found in having an abundance of grace for one another. You see, these people that Paul was talking about, they did not have grace. All they knew was law. All they knew was this is the way. It was black and white. It was this is the way and that's it. And Paul's saying there's something different. 
and he's calling for grace. You know, when I reflect on the, on the life of Jesus, and I might have said this out loud on the stage before, it's, it amazes me that Jesus always attracted people, and it was all sorts of people. It'd be the worst kind of people. It'd be the people that you and I, we may not say it out loud, but we would not walk close to. It'd be the people that we wouldn't associate with because our reputation would be smeared. It'd be like if I spent a lot of my time with Toronto Maple Leafs fans. It'd be like that. I mean, who in their right mind would do that, right? But Jesus attracted these people, and I, and I am convinced he attracted these people to himself because he was full of grace. When I think of grace, I am not a lover of figure skating. My mom is. But the times that I've watched figure skating, they are so graceful. And I'm not going to demonstrate what they look like because that would not be graceful. Or... My daughter, she likes to dance, and I know Pastor Arnold likes to dance. Have you ever watched Pastor Arnold dance? It's quite interesting. <laughs> but, but he dances so well that, that when you see somebody who is in their discipline doing well, it's attractive. It's not repellent because there's a grace to it. There's a grace to watching those figure skaters. There's a grace to watching Pastor Arnold dance. There's a grace to watching these things. And I think when you and I walk in grace, we are like the early church. You see, the Bible says, and it won't come up on the screen, but Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says that when the early church, even though they were a diverse group of people, they were so full of grace that those that were around them and watching us, the, the early church had their favor. The early church was attracted to them. The early church was appealing to them. And the people that Paul was speaking of here were people who, didn't, who weren't interested in diversity, but they just wanted to be stiff. But the church of Jesus Christ will always be a church that is diverse and full of grace. And we will no longer be challenges to one another, but we will be people who take one another up and strengthen one another. If anything, in the church of Jesus Christ, conformity is not the goal, but unity is. And I believe Paul defined unity in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, not on the screen. But Paul said this to the Philippian church, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Have the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Paul was saying there, just have the same love. But guess what? Because we're diverse, it's going to look different. And we have to allow that. We don't have to all look the same, dress the same, like the same stuff, but we all have to love one Lord and express ourselves as we love him. Romans chapter 14, verses, verse 1 will come up on the screen. And this is one for us to remember so that we don't become challenges to one another. It says this, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Have you, ever, have you ever come across somebody who disagrees with you? I'm sure you have. I came across somebody who disagreed with me this week, and they called me a reprobate. This is a true story. Just because we disagreed. And yet, this person would say that, oh, I'm also in the family of God. Paul is saying, look, Galatian church, be careful, because there's, some, there's people within you 
that they are preaching a different gospel. And I think Paul would say to us today, Portico, be careful, not about the people, but about this thing that would get into your heart that, might, that you might say, my way is the way. Instead of saying, we all love Jesus, we're all at different places. And to be honest, I might look at you and say, well, you know, your faith is such and such and so and so, but someone's going to look at me and say, well, my faith is such and such and so and so, but we're all going on the same path. Let's allow each other that same grace then. You know, Eugene Peterson took the same verse where, uh, from Romans chapter 14, verse 1, and he said, or he put it this way, welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. Hallelujah. So somewhere in my heart, I've got to open my space to allow Toronto Maple Leaf fans to be in my realm. Aren't you happy, Pastor Rick? God is doing a wonderful thing in my life. But there are other places where we have to open our hearts, amen? There's other places we have to allow for God to have his work in each other. And in the meantime, what do we do? We cheer each other on. We pray for each other. We celebrate victories that we have, however big or however small. We celebrate with one another. And we watch the life of Christ be reproduced in one another. Well, finally, we get to the third point. And that's that new freedom means new community. And this is what Paul is trying to get to in this chapter. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 to 21 he says this, actually. <laughs> My old self was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. And then listen to this. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there would be no need or there was no need for Christ to die. Paul is talking to his audience and he said, if it was just a matter, folks, of keeping the law, of doing right and wrong and being so stringent that way, if we could lift ourselves out of our mess, then there would be no need for Jesus to come on the scene. But we all know that's not the case. We all know that we need Jesus. You see, when Paul said that he, his old self was crucified, he was saying that the old sinful self was dead. And that was a nature that he no longer lived to. Paul knew the law better than anyone. He lived the law perhaps better than most. But he knew that dependence on the law was insufficient. It was not enough to bring about the righteousness that God wanted. And these people who are coming in and they're trying to influence the believers, it's almost like they're laying the weight of 600 plus commandments on the backs of people. Can you imagine carrying the weight of 600 plus laws that you have to obey every day? Can you imagine? It's impossible. But Paul was speaking to people who were threatened, they were in danger of going back there. You know, some of us who, before we came to Christ, we were trying to be that way. 
We were trying to live with all of these commandments, and we were trying to do the best we could. We were trying to be good people, but we failed, and we knew it, and the law told us that we drew short. But Paul's saying, look, my old self's been crucified. The old has passed away. Paul's saying, look, keeping the law could not do it. And as he said that to them then, he says it to us now. You see, the thing is, for some of us, I believe, we try so hard to be good. We're just trying our best to be good. Instead of meeting him who is good and letting him change us. I listen to a fair bit of podcasts, and uh, there's this one lady, she's being interviewed. Her name is Annie F. Downs, who you may or may not have heard of. And she was talking about how God has been doing some things in her life, and she runs a ministry and so on and so forth. She said something that was really remarkable to me, and I think we run into that sometimes. She said these words. She says, you know what? When we don't feel like we're loved, we want to feel right. When we don't feel like we're loved, we want to feel right. Think about those words. You see, if you feel that you've got to prove your salvation, then you're going to want to be right. You're going to, you're going to want to be the one who's seemingly on the straight and narrow. You're going to want to be the one who appears to be having it all together. Because deep in our hearts, when we feel that way, there is this fear that we're not truly loved for who we are. And the gospel of freedom, the law of life and the spirit comes along and says, no, you are loved for who you are by a God who loves everyone. A God who knows you, a God who knows everything about you. You are truly loved by him. And that's hard for us to fathom in our minds. At my old church, I had a guy who was, he was, he was and he meant well. But he always tried to reason everything out. And incidentally, what's interesting about him is he always would go back to the Old Testament to try and get his justification of life. And listen, I'm not saying take the Old Testament and throw it away. No, Jesus came to fulfill the commandments in the person, in a, as a person, as our Lord and Savior. But we can't justify ourselves by law, folks. We can't justify ourselves by our actions. We're not justified by those things. Those things should be produced because we've met Jesus. So today, if you're trying to wrap your mind around it, consider that you cannot work hard to know God's love. Consider that you can only know God's love by knowing him and accepting his freedom. And that means you have to surrender and you have to accept. You have to surrender past however you may doubt. You have to surrender your feelings of not being worthy. You have to surrender trying to be good enough for God. You have to surrender and understand that Jesus died for you. And I have to surrender and understand that Jesus died for me. And we have to surrender and understand that Jesus died for us. Us who are so imperfect, 
us who are so awkward, us who are so selfish and sinful, but us who are so beloved, us who are so sought after, us who are so adored by our Heavenly Father that he would send his one and only Son to set us free.